Good to see you today. So glad you're gathered here for worship with us. We count it an honor that you are here. And if you're a guest with us, we're especially happy that you have come to First Baptist Church today. And if this is your first Sunday, uh, let me just welcome you and hope that you feel at home among friends here. We'd like to get to know you if you're a guest uh, with us. There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can fill out a guest card there in the pew rack there in front of you. There's a white card. And if you would share with us your name uh, that would, in info, that just helped me to connect a name and face together. You could, I'll be at the Welcome Center. You'd bring that to the Welcome Center. I have a small gift to give you at the end of the service just to thank you for coming. Have a CD of some of our music from our great musicians. And we have popcorn and a movie, the Jesus film, to give you in that bag. So some things about our church would love to meet you and give you that gift. Um, and uh, so thank you for coming and being here. We're, we gather on the Lord's Day. That's what uh, the Bible calls Sunday. calls it the Lord's Day. Now, every day, in a sense, is the Lord's Day. But the Bible calls this the Lord's Day because this is the day Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday, the first day of the week. Every time we meet on Sunday, we're affirming our faith in the resurrection. Every time we meet, we are... Uh, affirming we are people of a living Savior who has risen from the dead. And I greet you in His name this morning. Today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. And uh, that's a special time of worship. And today I want to share with you uh, from preparation for the Lord's Supper from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's account of the Lord's Supper. And in that passage, it calls us to look four directions as we are sharing in the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to share those four directions that we're to look. So we're going to do it a little bit different, a little different order of worship this morning. Usually we worship through singing and then we listen to the Word. Well, today I'm going to share four messages with you and we're going to worship at the end of each one of these. So four times of the Word and then we'll follow with a song that relates to that you're, I know you're praying that these four sermons are not as long as every individual sermon. Hopefully they'll be a fourth as long, right? 
but so that's going to be our pattern today, and it starts right now. You ready? Okay, here we go. Open your Bible, if you have them, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the first direction that the Bible says we ought to look as we prepare to share in this memorial meal is to look backward. Look backward. We are to remember and to think about when Jesus died on the cross, that's what this meal represents. Let me read it to you in 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So, Paul had received the teaching of the Lord's Supper, and he's passing it on to them, and now we're passing it on to another generation. That's the continual pattern of the Christian church. And so here it is, what Paul received. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you hear that backward look there? He's saying whenever you take this, you're to look backward, think backward. You're to remember what I have done in giving my body for you. And then he says in verse uh, 25, In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Jesus calls us to think back, to look back upon his death. Now, the danger is not that you forgot that he died on the cross. If you're a Christian, you never forget. Oh, I forgot about him dying on the cross. I'm glad you reminded me of that. No, you, you remember that. But that memory must be intense so that it will change the way we live in the present. A memory of the past can affect the present. For example, during the Texas War for Independence, there was a battle at a mission in San Antonio called the Battle of the Alamo, 1836. And all 187 or so defenders died there, including some Davy Crockett and volunteers from Tennessee. And so it was a complete defeat. But a cry came after that among the Texas Army, Remember the Alamo! And that cry of remembering the sacrifice of those heroes who had given their lives fueled them in the Battle of San Jacinto to win an overwhelming victory and to win the war. The present was affected by a memory of the past. In 1941, for the first time in 130 years, a foreign power attacked American soil. Pearl Harbor was bombed, and it was a devastating blow to the U.S. Navy when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. But from that defeat came a rallying cry among Americans, Remember Pearl Harbor! Don't forget what was, had happened there! Remember with an intensity the sacrifice there, and it fueled the American war effort and industrial effort and led to victory in the Pacific and to World War II. In the same and in a greater way, Jesus is calling us here, don't ever forget what I have done for you. May it fuel you in the present to live for me. So, in this first way of preparing for the Lord's Supper, we just want to think back to how, what Jesus has done for us. And that ought to change the way you live. Whenever you get to a time when you wonder, does God love me? Why would this be happening to me? You remember 
the magnitude of the love of the Father who gave His only Son for you. And Paul wrote, He who did not spare His own Son, would He not also give us all things? It's evidence God loves you. When you're you're tempted to live a self-absorbed, self-centered life, you remember how Jesus abandoned to the will of the Father and said in the Garden of Gethsemane, May this cup pass from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And it fuels us to live an unselfish life. Whenever you are tempted to hold a grudge and be bitter against someone, you remember what Jesus said when he died on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And may that memory change the present. First direction we're to look as we take the Lord's Supper is to look backward. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to just thank you for the demonstration of your love and goodness and grace to us through your death on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your body for us. You spilt your blood for us to be an atonement, a covering for our sin. Lord, we love you. And we recommit ourselves to you. And when we stand in awe of you, of your body, and of your blood. Amen.
1 Corinthians 11 calls us not only to look backward, but secondly, it calls us to look inward. This is to be a time, this passage says, when we're to look inside our own lives. Because this is a renewal of our covenant relationship with God. When you become a Christian, you're baptized. And uh, when you share in the Lord's Supper, it's that periodic renewal of that relationship, so it's a time to look inside our lives. Let me read to you verse 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So it says we're to look inward, look inside our lives. And if there's any outstanding sin in our life, any unrepentant sin, we're to confess that and turn from that to be in right fellowship with God. And some of our sins are obvious to us. The moment I say we ought to confess our sins, some of us think about something we've said this week, something we've done this week that we need to confess. But some of our sins are not so obvious, and it requires then examination to look within our lives. Like you go to the doctor and you get a, an exam, and he sticks that little thing in your ear, and he looks in there, and he has you open your mouth, and he looks in there. That's an examination. So we're to look within our heart. Because we don't readily see our own sins, some of them. They're hidden from us. I had a, when I was a pastor of a church, I had a young man uh, in the church who felt called to preach. And uh, uh, he, he was a godly young man. He had, I thought, one area in his life that uh, uh, he needed to improve in. He was very critical, very judgmental of other people. Uh, and, and so I had him to preach. And you know what he preached on? He preached on how we ought to show grace to other people. And I thought, really? That's what you preached on? To me, that was the one big blind spot in his life. But you see, I could see that, but he didn't see it. And you know then what I, it stopped me short in what I thought about? Well, if I can see that in his life so readily, and he can't see it, then what is there in my life that other people can see readily that I can't see? Right? Because Jesus said, we tend to get the sawdust out of our brother's eye and ignore the plank or log within our own eye. We can see other people's flaws with clarity oftentimes, but not our own. And so we're not to live an unexamined life. This is a time, the Bible says, when we ought to examine ourselves and pray, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you do that today? This passage continues to say, verse 29, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Uh, so some people read that verse and they say, oh, well, then I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper because I'm not worthy of taking the Lord's Supper. Listen, none of us is worthy of it. If we're just going to give this out to people who are worthy, we don't have to have all these trays here. Uh, we could just have a cup or two and that'd be fine, right? You're never going to be worthy to take the Lord's Supper. That's not what it means in this passage. It means that there is sin in your life, you confess that. In other words, not taking the supper doesn't solve the problem. Confessing the sin is the only thing that solves the problem. You're still going to come under judgment for your sin, whether you take the Lord's Supper or not. So that's not the issue. The issue is this should be a time that causes us to examine ourselves and to highlight that sin within us so that we can turn from it and repent of it and be 
forgiven. Paul goes on to say in, in this passage, he says, that's why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we'd not come under such judgment. And he's saying, some of you have been disciplined because of the sin in your life. And that becomes evident. And so he said, if you judge yourselves, I wouldn't have to judge you. If you'd be more discerning, you wouldn't come under that. I'd rather have self-judgment than God's judgment, wouldn't you? So let's do some self-judgment and say, God, I want my heart laid open before you. I want the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to shine upon me because I don't want to experience your judgment. I want to judge myself. And God, if there's anything in my life not pleasing to you, I I want you to help me to see that, that I can turn from that and know the joy of my salvation. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, as your word has told us, we want to look inward in our lives right now. We want to examine ourselves. And God, as your spirit brings anything to mind that is wrong in our life, wrong attitude, wrong action, wrong words, wrong priorities, the omission of things that you have called us to do, of what we're not doing as well as what we are doing, then, Lord, we want to be confronted with that so that we can renounce it, confess it, turn from it, ask your forgiveness, know your cleansing, know the joy of being forgiven, and we want to be not only in right relationship, but in fellowship with you. So God, we just, our souls are laid bare before you. We pray you'll do that great work in our lives to cleanse us and purify us that we may be right with you. In Jesus' name I pray.
1 Corinthians 11 calls us not only to look backward and to look inward on this occasion, but it calls us to look in a third direction, to look outward, to look to one another. And this is a more literal look. Before, these first two have been symbolic. When I say look backward, I really don't mean look over your shoulder. When I say look inward, you really can't see in your heart. But this one is a literal one. Look around at the church. Look around at those that you are with. Because the Lord's Supper is not just about my relationship to Jesus. It is that. But it is also our relationship to one another. We don't usually eat the Lord's Supper by ourselves. You don't at home probably watching TV, saying, hey, I think I'll just have the Lord's Supper and get some crackers and some juice and do that. You don't usually do that. And that's important. We do it together. Now, it doesn't have to be this big a group of believers. It can be a, a, a couple of deacons at a nursing home with believers there. That's, that's fine. But it's a together thing. And we're to look outward on this occasion. What is my relationship to the church? So let me share with you the, the setting of this passage that we've just read and read the beginning and the end of what I've read to you before. So here's the setting of it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18. In the first place, this is how he starts this, this discussion. I hear Paul had gotten word from people who had come to him from Corinth and reported problems in the church, and there were a whole bunch of them. And 1 Corinthians is him addressing these problems. Well, now he comes to address this problem. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. He says, verse 20, So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. That's where we get the name. Some churches call it communion or, or whatever. We call it the Lord's Supper, which is another name for it. It comes from this passage. It's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. So, Here's what was happening. They were celebrating the Lord's Supper as the part of a fellowship meal. Like we do on Wednesday nights, they would get together, have supper together, and then at the end of it have the Lord's Supper. But there was a division in the church between richer and poorer people here, and they were not eating all together. The richer people were being selfish and eating to themselves Either they got off work earlier, and so they ate all the good food up before the poor people who had to work later could get there, and they were all drunk by the time the poor got there, and there was nothing left in the potluck dinner for them. Or the situation, it could have been either of these, either they were, everybody was bringing their own food, but the richer people were just sharing among themselves and not sharing with others. You're eating your own private suppers. For example, if you brought a rack of ribs to the meal and I had a peanut butter sandwich, you wouldn't want to swap with me. You're just going to swap with somebody who's got somebody, some other really good food, right? And so that there were these cliques then, and the richer were sharing, eating their own private suppers perhaps, and the poor, they were left out. So in one of these ways, either earlier in time or selfishness, there was a division between rich and poor. And Paul's saying, your Lord's Supper's become a time when people are going hungry. And he says in verse 22, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. At the end of the passage, he says what for them to do. Verse 33, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. 
and when I come, I'll give you further directions. So he said, if you're going to do these fellowship meals when you have the Lord's Supper, you've got to share on an equal footing. You've got to wait for everybody to get there, and you've got to share all your food. Now, our scenario is not exactly the same, but the principle still applies to us that this Lord's Supper expresses our unity as a church body. We're in this together of following Jesus. And so this is a time for us to look around. It's a time for you to consider your commitment to the church. Is it what it ought to be? Your involvement? It's a time for you to look around and see, is there anybody God is calling me to minister to? Is there something God wants me to do in the church? Is there a broken relationship with another church member that I need to forgive and let go of bitterness? Because we're to look around, we're to look outward in this time. And this expresses our communion with one another. Would you bow with me in prayer? After I pray, we're going to sing. As we sing, our deacons are going to come to serve the Lord's Supper. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for the church family at First Baptist Church that you have put us in. As we celebrate this supper and as we pass this down the pews, we are expressing our unity and our fellowship and our commitment to one another and to this body. So, oh Lord, if you have anything to say to us about our, our church relationship, if our involvement or commitment has not been what it should, if there's someone that we need to forgive and let go of any bitterness or any division, if there's a ministry you're calling us to, if there's a person that you've brought to mind that might need encouragement or, or support or help, oh God, we want to be the body that you've called us to be. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Will you stand?
as we begin to share the Lord's Supper, if you're a guest with us and you're a Christ follower, a baptized believer in Jesus, we want to invite you to the Lord's table with us. Uh, you're certainly welcome to share with us in this. Our tradition is that we will pass around first the bread, then the, the cup, and we'll just all hold it until everyone is served so that we can eat it together.
follow what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, this is what I received, what I pass on to you. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks for it, and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I haven't forgotten the fourth direction that we're to look. It just fits better, I think, after we've shared in the Lord's Supper. Because the fourth direction that 1 Corinthians 11 calls us to look is to look forward, to look ahead. Let me read it to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's a forward-looking dimension to our observance of the Lord's Supper. We are doing this until he comes. Jesus is coming back again. The Lord's Supper is a temporary ordinance. We only do this until he comes. We won't do this in heaven because we won't need a little piece of bread to remind us of his body. We will see him and we will share in personal fellowship, not faith fellowship. And so this Lord's Supper is an anticipation of a fuller meal. Lord's Supper is just a symbolic meal. Nobody gets full eating the Lord's Supper, right? None of you is going to say, eh, let's don't go to lunch today. We had that Lord's Supper, you know. I'm, I'm full. We don't say that, do we? Because it doesn't fill us. It just anticipates that fullness. It's sort of like, I, I don't know if... Uh, still do this or not, hadn't been to Baskin-Robbins since COVID, I don't think, but they used to at Baskin-Robbins, you could get a, ask for a taste of a flavor of ice cream you'd never had, and they had these little bitty spoons, and they'd dip that little spoon in there, and you could eat that, and it, it didn't fill you up, it made you want more, it was an anticipation, they knew you'd probably buy that flavor, more to come, that's what this is, it's like that little spoon at Baskin-Robbins, it's an anticipation of more to come until he comes because the Bible says that when we are together when he comes there will be a meal let me read you three passages of scripture that that share about that richness and fullness Isaiah chapter 25 is a prophecy of it on this day verse 6 the Lord on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples a banquet of aged wine the best of meats and the finest of wines On this mountain he'll destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples and the sheet that covers all nations. He'll swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He'll remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. That meal will be a celebration of the end of death. Let me read you another passage in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus said, many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many will come from the east, that's India, China, and from the west, that's us, and we'll take our places at the feast of which this is a preview, an anticipation. We'll sit down the table from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Won't that be something? You lean over and say, hey, Abraham, always wanted to meet you. This is great. Wow. Read one more to you about this coming feast of which this is an anticipation. 
Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, great multitude in heaven, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And that supper will be like a wedding reception that we who have lived by faith in our Savior are now married to Him. We are one with Him in intimacy, no longer by faith but by sight. And we will celebrate. So the Lord's Supper should fuel your perseverance to run the race. Whenever things get tough, whenever you grow discouraged, you remember he said, you eat this bread and proclaim my death until I come. He's coming back. And this is an anticipation of that feast. The Passover meal in which Jesus was celebrating with his disciples and he took the elements of the Passover and gave them even greater significance and made them the Lord's Supper. And there were four cups of wine at each place in the Passover. One before the meal, one during the meal. If you read in Luke, it mentions two of the cups that they drank, one before the meal. And then Jesus took the third cup of the Passover meal and passed it and said, this is my blood, gave it greater significance. And then he said in Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I think he left that fourth cup sitting on the table. And he said, after he had passed that third cup for the blood, he said, we'll finish this meal later. We'll be together again. You're going to have some hard times before then, but we'll drink together in the Father's kingdom, we'll raise a toast to eternal life. This meal is an anticipation of that. Jesus is coming back again. You run the race with perseverance because he's coming back again. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation, of commitment. If today, as we shared the Lord's Supper, you would say, I really don't have that relationship to renew. I've never been baptized. I don't know God through faith in Jesus Christ. Today you can come into that relationship and enjoy the blessings and the promises of it. That anticipation of heaven, that fellowship of Christ in your life now, that forgiveness of everything wrong you've done in the past. You can experience that today. Would you come to Him? You can walk forward while we're singing. Meet me here if you want to confess your faith. Come for baptism. We have baptism in two weeks scheduled. You can come and pray. If God speaks to you, would you come?
please be seated. As we close here this morning, just want to invite you that you can continue uh, with worship through giving. We've got our offering boxes there on the back wall. And on the days that we do the Lord's Supper, it's our practice to take a benevolence offering uh, for those within our church family and community that just maybe need some additional help or unexpected things have come up. And so um, any loose offering or uh, money or change that's placed in those offering boxes will go toward that benevolence offering. Or you can, uh, as always, put it in an envelope and just mark it specifically for benevolence offering, if that's uh, what you would like to do as well. And so just want you to be aware of that on, uh, on your way out. The only announcement we have for today is about tonight regarding our, uh, our service for tonight. We've got a member meeting tonight beginning at 6 o'clock. But before that, it's also uh, part of our, chili, uh, our men's chili cook-off and our women's dessert bake-off. You can see there's different categories for each of those. Uh, for the chili, there's hot, mild, and exotic and for the ladies, there's cakes, cookies, and, and uh, pies, or I guess it was other. So all the, all the cookies and brownies are in the other category. So we need lots of stuff brought in for that event tonight, that member meeting, or that stuff needs to be dropped off by 5.30 down in the gym. And then the meeting uh, will take place here at 6, and then we'll go downstairs at uh, 6.30 to, to eat chili and, and have some great desserts. So it's a fun activity. Come and, and be a part of that tonight. Eat off. You should have an eat off, you know. Me and yeah. you, see how much, that'd be, that'd be fun, fun, fun. That'd, that'd be great. That'd be fun, Todd. <laughs> I'm in for that. I'm sure you are. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that we get to look forward uh, to that incredible meal and fellowship and feast with you in heaven. And so, Lord, we just pray that you... Help us to remember and, and just look in our lives now and, and evaluate and live for you. And Father, that we get to live with anticipation of your return. So Lord, help us to, to speak about you and to live on your behalf in the meantime. We thank you for your love and your grace that you extend to us. It's in your son's end that we pray. Amen.
Yeah. Because, I mean, we did this on every Sunday. It was our fellowship time. I had to take this and sit. He'd say, shake the hand of the person next to you. We'd go and go, I'm so glad.
Good morning. Welcome to worship. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Glad you're here today. We gather here in this place to thank God for this week and the life that He's given us. And even more than that, we gather here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Every Sunday is a celebration of that resurrection. We meet on this day because this is the day, the first day of the week, Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible calls it the Lord's Day. In a sense, every day is the Lord's Day. We live for Him every day, but this is...